Lovely to see you all. If you don't know who I am, I'm Richard. I'm one of the ministers here, associate vicar. Um, as Patrick's already said, we're going to be uh, looking tonight at the topic of uh, online or the internet, sort of in general. Um, but before we do that, we're going to have a bit of a slightly geeky history thing, ever so slightly geeky history. I used to work in IT a long, long time ago, now it seems. So I'm going to put some pictures uh, up on the screen, and I want, hopefully, some of you might get a little bit as excited as I am. Put your hands up if you know what this bad boy is. Pardon? It's an Acorn. Well, it's, it's very similar to an Acorn. It's actually the BBC. Um, uh, I think they they used Acorn, but it's a BBC computer. And uh, when I was in junior school, I think uh, what is the equivalent of, let me think about it, probably year uh, three or four now, I was really, really excited because I got a letter to take home saying that my school was going to get its first computer. That was it. It was really, really exciting. Uh, At school, we had one computer between about 400 people. And for those of you that don't know, that thing on the the right is a floppy... Oh, where's it gone? Floppy disk drive. Um, The disks used to be about that big, the original ones. And you used to get... I think you don't even think you could even get a meg on there, one meg of data. It was was less than that. It was a ridiculously uh, small amount. Um, So that's... Uh, was very, very exciting. And when I, when I left that school, I think, uh, so you used to be in your classroom about one morning or one afternoon a week and you used to have to share it between all 30 of you. So that's the sort of access to computers that I grew up with. But just uh, five, well, I think it was about six years later. So that was 19, about 80, I think that was 1987, 88. Just five years later, 1994, hands up if you know what that is. This changed my world as a young teenage man. If you don't know what that is, uh, that is the first ever Sony PlayStation games console. There were games consoles before it, but that was like the groundbreaker. That was so advanced for its age. You could play the games on discs rather than cartridges or tapes. Uh, it was incredible. And it was so good that they didn't uh, release the, 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 the PlayStation 2, I think, for another eight years afterwards. It was so it was such a, a, a brilliant thing and established really the games console era, uh, era into a, or took it into a new era and established it so it's still going today. In fact, PlayStations are so good, they're, they're still now, like 20 years later, just over 20 years later, they're still only on the PlayStation 4. That's how good PlayStations are, and I own one. Anyway, so you can see I'm getting excited. Right, next. Uh, what's, what's next? So that was 1990, um, that was 1994. This is 1999. Technology advancing in about, this is about five years' step. Who knows what that is? This is my first ever mobile phone, everybody. This is the world-famous Nokia 3210. This was the height of technology when I was 19 uh, years of age. I got one in my second year at university. And the second screen, you can go on there. Who knows what that is? What game? That's Snake. But a very, very addictive uh, snake. Nokia sadly have gone bankrupt now, but they were. That phone was the phone that really made mobile phones accessible and affordable to everybody. It was cheap, it was light, it worked really, really well, and you could use it and carry it around 
with you. And um, that transformed uh, the mobile phones from being something that was just for the elite to hold to being something that everybody uh, could have and use. It was an uh, absolutely uh, brilliant piece of uh, tech there. What else have we got? Oh, and uh, so that was uh, 1999 that was released. And who knows when this... Oh, I went back. There we go. Who knows what? what is that? Don't know what's going on with the screen, but with the flashingness... When was that released? What is that? No, that is the first iPhone. <laughs> if you can see it, I don't know what's going on there. But it is, it's the first iPhone. When was the first iPhone released? 2007. 2007, so just 11 years ago. And that was a revolutionary piece of a kit that brought internet, uh, phone, internet, uh, camera, music, a uh, few other things all together in one handheld device, colour screen. And this, that was the first, uh, it was so advanced compared to what, anything else that was out on, um, on the market at that time. And, that, uh, and all the competitors took years to catch up um, with the, the advancement of that touchscreen technology and everything that it could do. That was like the starting of everybody having full access to internet everywhere, on the go, and doing anything they wanted. And that was only just over 10 years ago. And isn't it incredible that um, from those, so when I grow up from a young lad, I've now got something on my wrist that is probably a thousand times more powerful than what was around in that one computer when I was seven or eight years old. I think that is absolutely incredible. And so what we're looking at tonight is, I haven't got a big enough thing, let me make a bit more space up here. Sorry. So what we're looking at tonight is just how, in basically, in two decades, we went from one computer for 400 people to everybody having a computer that they were able to have in their pocket and carry around with them and give them access to everything. It's totally transformed the world. The younger ones here may not realize this, but it has literally totally transformed the world and the way we go about finding out things and who we are in a really, really, really short period of time. In just two decades, we went from having to trust what we were told by teachers and people and what we read in books to not having to trust anybody, but just picking our phone out and seeing what the internet says about things, having access to anything we want, uh, wherever we are, just at our fingertips. You know, it, it's, been a, it's been a massive uh, shift. And there's been great benefits to that shift as well, hasn't there? That idea that um, we can always be contacted as a parent, um, I love the fact that my daughter, who's left for Pathfinders now, my eldest daughter, she has a mobile phone. And that mobile phone is so clever, I can look on my phone and see where she is with it. Where, if she is, where is she is supposed to be, if she's remembered to take her phone with her. I can contact her. She is able to contact me if she needs me. It's absolutely fantastic. I like being able to check the internet when I'm out and about. You know, when I'm out and there's football going on, I can check the scores. It's absolutely brilliant. There's so much great stuff that has come with this. But also, 
along with lots of things. They can have really, really good sides, but they can also be issues or problems that come along with them. And some of the problems, uh, are, we're only just finding out about them. So I'm not standing here today when we're talking about this, this online thing. There's so much, there's such a big topic. Um, I'm only going to look at a couple of principles that I think um, will help. Um, and I'm not standing here as somebody that hates technology as well. I absolutely love it. But we need to be aware that, that there's good and, and there's bad um, that's come along with this technology. And as Christians, like with everything that we've been doing in this series, Follow Jesus, So What? It's basically been built on the, on the premise that if we're, we're following Jesus, we want to trust his words and live for him in every part of our lives. That includes in uh, the actual face-to-face stuff, but also in the virtual world as well. How can we be followers of Jesus in this sort of online, connected uh, world around us? So there's going to be two things that, that I want to, to talk about. Um, one of the things, though, that the younger ones probably don't want me to say this, is that parents, um, the younger ones that are going up in this connected world, that are generally on this side, but not exclusively, they all have issues, and um, they know tech better than us, but they, that there's issues and stuff that come along with being totally connected that we uh, didn't experience and go through as parents, and that makes it really tough for us to know how to help and respond to them. If you are a parent of a young one and you have not yet read this book, can I really, really encourage you to read it? There's one copy here and there's one more on, um, in the bookstore. Um, if you want more, I'm sure the office could even get more, but it's available on Amazon. It's called Left to Their Own Devices, uh, Confident pa- Parenting in a World of Screens. Uh, it really gives you really good help and advice to make sure that the online um, world is as uh, safe and you understand what's going on, make it as safe as it, as it can be. And online, uh, yeah, read that book. Really, really good. Um, and it's by someone called Catherine Hill, but it's a really, really great book. So, like I said, we're just beginning to understand the impact of some of these screens that are available. And let me just share with you some of the things that um, research uh, has said, as well as this remembering there are good stuff as well. If you spend too much time on screens, it affects your concentration badly. Your concentration uh, goes down to shorter and shorter periods. If you spend too much time on your device, it affects your sleeping and not only makes it harder for you to get to sleep, but also affects the depth of your sleep as well, apparently, so it makes you more tired. Uh, Spending too much time on your screens is making people more lonely for a few reasons. That is, A, because they're um, not talking to people as much because we're walking around looking at our screens. I'm as guilty as everybody else. Um, So we're not spending as much time talking to everybody else. But also the downside of that is when we are talking to other people, uh, we're growing up less socially skilled because we don't do it as often. So we're finding it harder and harder to build relationships with one another. So loneliness as well, it's affecting our, yeah, I've kind of talked about that, ability to relate to others. And, and the third thing is it puts pressure on people. People are finding that being online, um, having devices where you can always be connected, puts pressure on people because it's difficult to escape and rest from it because it's always with you. 
when I was, uh, uh, yeah, you know, 20 years ago, and I, when I was growing up, if you didn't get on with somebody and you'd had an argument with somebody, once you went home at the end of the day, that was the end of it because you had no way of communicating with them or, or them communicating with you. And if you decided to um, meet up down the park later to sort it out, you didn't see them. Whereas now, that is not the case. You can keep the argument going and you can get many other people involved in it. It's just the reality of it. It puts pressure on us. There's goodness, but there's also added stress and issues along with it. So what are these basic uh, principles that I want to um, talk about? I'm going to read a passage from, from 1 um, Corinthians in a, in a moment or two. You can blank the screen now, thanks. Um, there's no more, no more slides. I'm going to read some, some verses uh, here from 1 Corinthians 10. Well, I think give us a little bit of guidance. For those of you that can remember when I did my talk, last talk here, which I think it was about three weeks ago now, I talked about a wonderful verse from Galatians about freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has freed us. And this, th- these verses are on a similar kind of uh, line to this, but this is Paul talking about what does this freedom uh, look like. And he's writing to a church. And he sort of brings in this phrase, everything is permissible. You know, if we've been freed from Christ, it says everything is permissible. So it's uh, 1 uh, Corinthians 10, uh, verses 23. And if you want to look at it in your Bible, it's on page 1,151. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, 23 and 24. So they're having a a discussion in the church about how they should behave and act. And Paul says this, everything is permissible, but not everything is is beneficial. So what does he mean by that? I think what he's getting at about that is that if Christ came to free us um, to be able to, to do things, we're not constrained in a way that we were in the past by the old self. But then Paul is saying, so we're free to do things, but everything that we can do is not of benefit to us. It's not something we, we should do. And then he says everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So there's freedom to do things, but we need to be careful that, that what we do is something that builds up, that builds others up, that builds the church up. So as Christians, we're to be people. As he goes, um, and then <clears throat> 24, sorry, nobody should seek their own good, but the good of others. We're to be people that seek to be wise about what we do, to make sure it's beneficial to ourselves, but also to others. In particular, it builds others up. And then he goes on to talk about a particular issue they're having, uh, about um, food for a few verses. And then um, 31, uh, verse 31 says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is kind of a verse that you can kind of uh, apply for everything. And it applies to our online lives. We need to be people that are thinking about, is this something what I'm doing and how I'm behaving on it? Is it beneficial for me? Is it constructive? Is it building other people up? Is it bringing glory to God? Are we seeking our own good, as he goes, or are we looking to uh, communicate God's goodness to others. 
do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Paul is desiring to seek um, goodness for himself, but even more importantly than that, for God and for others. And that's kind of the attitude that I think uh, God wants us to have when, um, yeah, with everything, but particularly um, when we're online. And sort of underpinning all this is this idea that we've turned to God and we're saved. Our value and everything that we have comes from him. So the first thing I want to say about being online is that we are to be who we are. Be who we are and not who we aren't. What do I mean by this? Well, when we're online, we need to remember that our identity, our fulfillment, is found in what God has done for us. And that has implications on how we behave in real life, but also in, uh, in life. You know, I stand here as somebody that knows that I am loved immensely by God, that he came to rescue me, he came to save me, even when I had turned away from him and turned my back on him. And I'm so grateful for that. And when I realized that, it totally turned my life around. And that's what God wants us. And I do sometimes forget that in the moment in day to day. But that's what God wants us uh, to live by, to remembering that we are connected with him. We are people that he loves, that he saved, that he called us to be for him in each and every moment. We're doing um, uh, Romans in the morning. There's a brilliant verse in Romans. Sadly, it's one of the verses that we're, we're not quite looking at. But it says this, it's in Romans 5. It says, see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God values and reaches us as people where we are at. He is the one that gives meaning, that gives purpose, that we find our significance and our value in. He is the one that forgives us that for all those past mistakes that that we've made or have been done to us. He's the one that can free us from the weight and the expectations of them. He is the one that gives us security, that there's nothing that's going to happen to us that's going to separate us from from, from his love. He is the one that can love us more than anybody else. Why am I going on about this? Well, because a lot of people use uh, the internet to be somebody that they aren't. They use the internet to uh, try and find value and significance in themselves. They do things uh, like, I'm showing my age, I know Facebook is falling out of favour with a with younger generation. I don't really use it that much. But they put up very one-sided image of themselves on Facebook, for example posing pictures that give a false image of who they are and then getting deeply, deeply upset, some people I've known, because they don't get enough likes on it or enough comments from people that, um, that it's a really nice picture or isn't it lovely that you're out there eating that salad that looks the same as every other salad um, that anybody's ever seen. They find meaning and value and significance in making sure they get 
enough people following them or looking at what they are doing. And the social media is not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but we can, when we're not, if we're not careful, we can use it to find value in ourselves in a way that we shouldn't. We can use it to communicate who we are and what we're doing and share it with people that we like. But if we're getting upset because we don't think we're having enough um, people liking or looking at it or whatever, and that is where it has gone from being something, in my opinion, gone from being something that is good and helpful to being something that is perhaps dragging you down and not allowing you to be or, or forgetting who you really are in God. Touched on it earlier as well, is, is be who you are. Um, I've done this in the past. Um, as a family, we've had a really... Well, we've gone out for days out, and they haven't gone as well as we would have hoped. But all we've posted online is a lovely, happy, smiling photo of us doing something wonderful, like at the beach. And we're all smiling there. And what's happened is we've probably had tears and tantrums before. Ada and I have probably shouted at the kids. We might have even had a falling out over where we wanted to go next or do this. But online, we put a lovely, put a, put a nice photo of It's a lovely day out. And what we're doing is, is we're misrepresenting ourselves as well. We're deliberately making ourselves look, look better than we are. And um, there's a danger in that. In, in, well, there's a few dangers in that. I'll get onto one of them a bit later on in my second point. One of the things that that... that I think, as Christians, we need to be careful of, is when we're doing that, it can be really unhelpful for other people as well. Because what it does is it gives this idea of perfection um, that we as Christians, A, shouldn't try and show we're perfect. We, we're still people that make mistakes. But it puts, it's one of those things that just puts pressure on other people because it makes everybody else think, oh, I've had a bad day. I can't possibly share that with them because they're so perfect. We put other people down if we're not uh, open and honest or reasonable with what we share online. And obviously we need to be wise about what we're sharing and what we say online, but if we're only ever putting good stuff up, we are given a very one-sided picture of ourselves. And that's the same in real life as well. So I would encourage us to be, when we are uh, communicating ourselves online, is to be people that are appropriately open and honest about ourselves. Being wise about what we share, but not giving one-sidedness. You know, God knows who we are. And we want to be a community that is open and attractive and doesn't put other people off because we present something very, very one-sided. We need to find our significance in God. Okay, so we've got about be who you are in God. Um, this is sort of the, 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 the first point. And the second point is a, is a slightly negative one. It's uh, don't do something you shouldn't do. Really, really obvious point. Don't do something you shouldn't do. Online, um, 
they're quite general points because there's so much stuff going on on the internet. You can't, I couldn't possibly give advice on, on everything and I wouldn't be able to anyway because I don't even know half of it m myself. But I think one of the things is that um, online it can be much easier to, for want of a better word, to destroy other people. to be very judgmental about other people and say things to others that we would never dream of saying if we were having a face-to-face -face conversation with people. I remember when I was growing up, and this was when I think it was, um, was it hot, Hotmail or Instant Messenger was the way in which you communicated with other people. Uh, my youth minister um, gave a, a talk on it back then and it's advice that I remember today he said and I think it applies to everything you should never say anything online or in typed text about anybody else or to anybody else that you would not feel comfortable saying if they were in the room and you were having a conversation with them You should never, ever say anything online that you're not comfortable saying about somebody in conversation with them. Remembering it's being full of love and grace as a community as well. There's been a couple of things in, um, in the news uh, relatively recently that just kind of really, really um, kind of so quite how judgmental and horrible people can be um, about others, about small mistakes that people have made that have had big ramifications. Um, I always find it quite shocking, and I'm glad Twitter wasn't around when I was a young lad, because I'd have probably tweeted some very silly things. But we had, we had somebody who was evicted from the Big Brother house, I didn't really follow it, for something that was on their Twitter account for when they were 17. They were in the Big Brother house at the age of 23. But it was found while they were in there, and they didn't come to light, and they kicked them out. What's that about? I don't, I don't quite get it. Judgmental. A footballer was banned as well that was playing for a, a club for playing um, several games for a club because of tweets he'd done when he was 18 and he was in his 20s now as well. And they were tweets that had since been deleted from his account uh, um, because he didn't agree with them and realised they were mistakes. They'd, they'd been deleted, but somebody had seen them and copied them and they came to light and he got banned years afterwards. It's really, really easy online to just to see snippets and one side of things as well. We, um, I remember as well a few, um, I think it was about a month or so ago, there was a video going around that showed a police officer um, kind of, um, he went like that uh, towards a teenage girl who was, uh, they were actually trying to arrest and they basically slapped her in the, in the face. And the abuse that this um, police officer got saying how outrageous he was that that he had done that and then the full story came to light that this girl was um, refusing to leave and they'd, they'd had they'd been trying to get her out of the area for a long period of time she refused to leave and started being aggressive she'd um, they were trying to move her away and she refused and she was um, kicking pinching and she was trying to grab this um, police officer's CS spray and as she was doing that, that's why he'd gone like that to get her away, so she couldn't get it and spray it at other people like that. 
the video clip, all the video clips showed was the police officer going like that and the abuse he got and the judgmentalism that came from people. As Christians, we are to be people that are full of grace and truth. And that is what we're called to be online as well. To think about what we're saying. To think about what we're seeing as well. To remember that there's probably a lot more to be seen than you have seen in stuff like that. And to not just condemn people and be nasty to people through just seeing snippets, but to be people that are gracious, that are forgiving. Remembering that verse that we talked about, that God came and loved us and cared for us even when we were still messed up people. And we are still messed up people in many ways, but hopefully on the path with God. So don't do something you shouldn't do. I want to say um, one more small point before I finish. I'm going to talk uh, slightly in code because there's um, some younger children here. I want to talk about the P word. If you don't know, P-O-R-N. Just very um, briefly because there's so much that could go in onto, um, onto this. I just... Let me talk really big picture stuff about how I think uh, uh, the Bible uh, views sex. Because lots of people think that the Bible has a really, really, or Christians have a really, really um, sort of view of sex, that it is something that is bad, shouldn't really be touched. Um, You only, yeah only something to uh, be done um, once in a while if you absolutely have to and you want children and it's not something good at all. And I don't think that's (laughs) what the Bible says about that at all. In fact, I think it's the the opposite. Uh, The the Bible has a really, really, really high view of sex. I think it's an incredible gift of God. If you believe God made us, God made us able to have sex with one another and he made it to be a generally a really good pleasurable experience but right at the start the bible also tells us something incredible about it he says um when um a man and a woman lead and they're joined they're joined together they become one is what the bible talks about it's right there in genesis a man and woman are united together and they become one. It talks about it in the sense of being united together. It's much more than just a physical act. The Bible says it's much more significant than that. It's a uniting together so two people become one. And it's this idea that something that's when it's joined together, it shouldn't be separated. It's much more than something that you just do to have physical fun, but it joins two people together in many other ways, in soul and with their minds and with their emotions. Often the world talks about um, sex just generally as if it's just a, a physical act. They kind of like downplay it. It's a nice thing to do, but it's just a physical act. Um, so it's okay. And yeah, actually, if you look in society, people generally know there is something more significant and meaningful behind it. You know, when people are abused in that way, there are much rightly much more severe punishments than if people are just beaten up physically 
Why? Not because it's just a physical act, but because actually people realize it does something else to people. It's much more invasive and damaging for that because it's much more than a physical act. So the Bible has this view that sex is a great gift from God. But with great gifts, is you're supposed to use them appropriately and use them carefully because great things that are powerful can also be quite dangerous and hurtful if they are misused. So when it comes to online, I think often what we're doing, and this is a problem for, for, for lots of people, let's be really honest about it, what we're doing is we're taking this great gift that God has given to us and we're totally and utterly misusing it. We're making it less than something it should be and we're damaging ourselves. And there have been studies done on this as well a lot recently. And it is incredibly damaging for us. For, uh, for girls and for boys. For men and for women. How does it damage us? Well, there's a few ways. Um, it um, puts extreme pressure a lot on, um, this is sweeping generalizations here, it puts extreme pressure on girls that they have to look or be or do the things that uh, they've seen doing, <laughs> being done. It gives incredible body image pressure on them. It also makes things that are not normal just seem like everyday normalness when they shouldn't be. For boys in particular, um, one of the things that it does for boys is that actually studies have shown is it makes men treat women worse. It makes men look down on women, see them as inferior and less than men. It makes them treat them more like objects other than people if you watch it and watch lots of it. And, we don't, and men often don't even realize that they're doing it. It's just a natural result of doing it. That is what studies have shown. It also makes people lonely, and there's other things that I won't go into. I've tried to talk about that quite, yeah, quite broadly and generally. But it's really, really, um, yeah, I, I know it's really, really hard. If that is something that you struggle with, um, there are practical things you can do to break that habit. There's a couple of really, really good websites that you can go to um, just to ha have a look at. One is called Covenant Eyes. Um, have a look at that. There's some software on there that um, doesn't stop you looking at anything, but um, sends... Uh, anyway, have a look at that. Really, really good website, but that's about um, chatting. with. You'll need to find somebody else that will help you uh, on that website as well. So find a trusted friend. And another great website for um, advice and help. Sounds a bit dodgy, this website, but I promise it's not. It's XXX Church. Really, really good um, website to go to. Lots of stuff on there to, to look at. Okay, I'm just going to close with one other, uh, just, yeah, just some closing remarks. Is um, before the, um, I think Patrick might say this in a minute, we need to remember who we are basically, in our lives day by day. When we meet with people face to face, but also when we're in the virtual world as well. We need to remember who we are, that we are loved by God. 
we are people that he wants to live for him in the moment. He wants us to be people that do things that are beneficial, that are helpful for us, constructive towards other people as well. That doesn't put other people down or put pressure on other people to be something that they shouldn't be. And we need to remember that is true day by day, moment by moment, even when the world is at our fingertips. Because with the world at our fingertips, just think of the great influence we could be if we all lived for him online. It could reach everyone. Let's not put masks on, but be truly ourselves in the right way online. Amen.